Hi there, you're listening to the Trinity Community Church Podcast. TCC, a home for you. It's good to see everybody. I'm Pastor TJ. Welcome to everybody online. It's good to have you with us in the house today. God is doing some ridiculous things, beloved. Our first service was just awesome. Uh, Some of you couldn't find a parking space coming in for second service because the first service people were still here. Um, I would like to think that it was God's presence that kept people here. Others believe it was the bake sale. We'll see. I don't know. There's lots of goodies down there. Either way, welcome. Um, It was nice to get away last week and just spend some time in the mountains, the Poconos, if you call those mountains. They're not very big, right? But but I enjoyed them. It was good to get away. I spent a lot of time eating. How many of you love eating as a hobby? So we would have breakfast, and at breakfast we'd talk about what we were going to have for lunch. And at lunch, we would talk about what we were going to have for dinner, and then we would snack later as we played games, and then we would prepare for all the meals the next time. That's just what we did. Uh, we did some other fun activities. We went on some, some hikes. It was me, Tori, and uh, Robin. And uh, on one day, we had some bad rains, and uh, we decided to go on a hike down by this river kind of stream thing. And uh, I am, you know, as, as a dad, as a father, I'm a protector. So I wanted to make sure everybody's okay. So I was a little concerned with the water, making sure we were going to be okay. We got to the, the hiking site, and there's different difficulties for the hike. You can go different ways. And um, my daughter, she's like an expert hiker. She is from in Colorado. So before I could even do anything, her and Robin started shooting down this path. And um, it was a little bit of a difficult path. I looked at it. And I said, well, I want to go back, look at the sign to make sure that we can do this. You know, I'm not 20 anymore. So now, you know, being in, you know, I just turned 50 this year. So now I've got other concerns I didn't have when I was 20. Concerns like, you know, if I fall, I could die. I have other concerns that are financial concerns too. Like if I fall and I got to go to the hospital, I have a heavy deductible. Hello? Right? So I'm up there looking at the stuff. And as I looked at the stuff, I realized perhaps there's an easier way to go. So I go down there to try to catch up, you know, to the girls, and they're already down to the base of this thing. I mean, they're way down this treacherous kind of thing. So I fly down there, and I'm like, girls, this is, I don't know if this is safe. And they assured me, I will be fine, blah, 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 blah. And I guess I came down, and my tone was not the best. Have you ever, you know, stepped in it and didn't realize that you stepped in it until it was too late? I went down there, and apparently with my tone, uh, both of the girls looked at me, and they said, fine, we don't want to hike anymore. And they both shot up the hill. So they're running up the hill, and I thought to myself, fine, I don't want to hike with you either. I said, I'm just going to sit right here because I got the keys to the car in my pocket. Enjoy the parking lot, girls. And I just sat there. For about 30 seconds, I thought, this is not what Jesus would do. (laughs) So I thought, I better go catch those girls. They can't be too far along because it's a steep climb up there. So I started huffing, and I'm in good shape. I work out and stuff like that. And I'm moving, and I'm moving, and those girls are nowhere to be found. They're like nowhere to be sighted. They, no, no, they're, they're gone. I'm like, what happened? Did they get teleported? Did a Sasquatch grab them? I don't know what happened. So I get up there and I, I, I run up this hill and I'm out of breath. And lo and behold, those girls are sitting in the parking lot. I went to Robin. I said, how did you guys get up here so fast? She says, our upsetness with you is a great motivator. She said, I was so mad at you. I flew up this hill like an Olympian. I went, huh? Have, you know, so I don't know. How many of you have ever gotten somebody mad? Do you know the level that it takes to get two of your girls mad at the same time? That's professional. Here I am. It was a great motivator. And I thought to myself, imagine how motivated you are. You can do crazy things when you're motivated, when you're upset, when you're hungry, when you got to go to the bathroom, stuff like that. You can do incredible things under human motivation. How more incredible can you do things under the motivation of the Holy Spirit? 
God motivated, the Holy Spirit motivated individuals over 2,000 years ago that we're still talking about today. It's the power of motivation, and it's specific, uh, in the church world, it's specifically the power of the Holy Spirit. What can't you do if you're empowered by the Holy Spirit? So over the last few weeks, we've been talking about what it looks like you know, for us to serve a God that is more than enough. God doesn't give you just what you need. He gives you what you need, and he gives you everything you need to accomplish the task that you have and to bless others. He's a God that's more than enough. We started off with our series understanding that God is enough for you, and when you serve him with all of your heart, he satisfies every desire of your heart. He's the God that satisfies us. And then last week, Tyler brought a great message. He talked about how God is more than enough to supply all of your needs. Everybody say all. He supplies all of your needs. Physically, emotionally, all those things, if you trust him with those things in your hands. Today, we finish up the series. And we talk about the God that empowers us supernaturally. Every once in a while, you know, in our human understanding, things don't look good. Things aren't going the great way. And God, just through his supernatural power, changes all the rules, moves everything around. And he supplies for us in ways that we just cannot understand. He gives us supernatural power to carry out our core mission, to see the gospel spread all over the world. In order to understand God's power, we first start and we focus on a promise. If you want your Bibles, turn to Acts 1.8. This is a passage I'm guessing most of you are familiar with. It says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, I'm guessing that most of you in this room have heard this verse before. Now, depending on the church you're in and who's delivering it, it can mean a bunch of different things. For example, some of you heard this verse and you weren't in a church that really talked about the empowerment of the Spirit. You know, I grew up in the Greek Orthodox Church. I grew up in Orthodoxy. We didn't talk about this. You know what we talked about? Or we're going to eat food after the service and what happened on Kojak the night before because Kelly Savalas was Greek. It's, it's important things at the Greek Orthodox Church. It's just what we did. Now, some of you were part of a Pentecostal or charismatic church, and all you talked about was the power of the Spirit. Now, again, I don't know what your background is, but I do know this. Our understanding, our big idea understanding when it comes to the Spirit is this. God is good, and he's given us good gifts. And one of those good gifts that he's given us is the Holy Spirit. Do you believe God is good? Why would he give you a gift that would hurt you or damage you? He gives us everything that we have for a reason. So then how does the power of the Holy Spirit help us to live and to operate as believers? All of us need it. Jesus left and he says, it's better that I leave so that the Spirit will come and to help you. Well, how does this happen? How does it benefit us? First, the power of the Spirit makes us holy. It makes you holy. You cannot make yourself holy. We sang about holiness today. Natalie sang about it. The Holy Spirit does the work in us. So what does it mean for us to be holy? What do you think of when you hear the word holy? Do you think of little old ladies with like buns? You know, four foot high bun, Aquanet. Do you know how much Aquanet we must have consumed back in the 70s and the 80s? Ridiculous, right? What do you think of when you think of holy? Do you think of people you can't talk to? Do you think of people that are just squeaky clean? I remember uh, a few years ago, we were living in Denver at the time. We came out to visit people in, in Pennsylvania and we took the kids to Hershey. You know, they'd never seen the chocolate factory. They'd never seen the Hershey Park. Uh, Toby was a baby. Tyler and, and, and Tori were young, they were little kids. And we decided that amongst our tour to the Hershey Park and the factory, we took the kids to see an Amish farm. 
Have you ever been to one of those Amish farms? We thought it was fascinating. We thought it'd be great. The kids were bored out of their zonkers. You know what I mean? So we're out there looking around and they're giving us tours and it's great. And all the clothes, there's no buttons on the clothes and all these other things. And we're like, look, there's a pigs. And the kids are like, it's a pig. Can we play our games now? We're like, no, we want you to get some culture, get all this stuff. So we're walking around and they were so disgruntled. I decided that as a parent, it's my full right to mess with their heads. Do you know as a parent, you have that right? Amen. Amen. So we went to the Amish farm and we got done. I pulled them off to the side. I said, guys, well, we brought you here for a reason. I said, your mom and I have been considering what it means for us, the Harrises, to become Amish. The look of horror on my children's faces was absolutely amazing. They're like, I remember Ty, Ty was our inquisitive one. He was like, well, what does that mean, dad? What does it mean? He goes, well, it means this. I said, we're going to throw, we're, no more technology for us. I said, you're going to learn to make your own clothes and they're going to be great. They're going to be dark, but they're going to be great. I said, you're going to learn how to take care of animals. You're going to, you're going to mess with, with horses and milk cows and play with chickens. It's going to be the greatest thing ever. And I'm telling the kids this. And I remember Tori had this look of horror on her face. And Tyler's like, no, Doug. He's kept saying, it's a bad idea. It's a bad idea. It's a bad idea. I said, but don't worry. You'll get to keep your names. We're not going to make you Hezekiah or Jebediah or anything like that. It's going to be great. And literally the kids were losing their minds. Like, no, we can't. What did we do wrong? Help us. We're, call, we're calling the state. This is child abuse. Then I told them, we're just kidding. And what was great was this. They were so mad they didn't talk to us for like two days. <laughs> Which for a parent is a win, right? Driving along in the car, it's quiet. It's really quiet. This is great, right? What does it mean to be holy? Is that what you think of when you think of, of holiness? Well, this is the definition of holy. When you look at holy, the Greek word here for holy is hagios, and it means this, to be set apart, to be sacred. Set apart or sacred. So what sets us apart as believers? Is it just the things that we do and the things that we don't do? Or is it something deeper? Is it something stronger? Is there a greater transformation that takes place in our lives that makes us holy? The answer to that, beloved, is yes. If you've got your Bibles, flip to Ephesians chapter 3. This is great. Looking at verse 14, this is Paul's uh, response to the church in Ephesus. He says this, So I kneel humbly in awe before uh, the Father of our Lord Jesus, the Messiah, the perfect Father of every father and child in heaven and on the earth. And I pray that he would unveil within you the unlimited riches of his glory and favor until supernatural strength floods your innermost being with his divine power, might, and with his divine might and explosive power. Now look at verse 17. This is beautiful. Then by constantly using your faith, the life of Christ will be released deep inside of you and the resting place of his love will become the source and the root of your life. I love that. By constant using of your faith, the life of Christ will be released deep inside of you. That's the definition of holiness. To have Christ released inside of you, to become like him. You see, it's the power of the Holy Spirit that transforms you into the person that God created you to be. Not your own works. Not your own strength. Beloved, you're not strong enough to make you like Jesus. The best you and I can do is sin management. That's the best we can do. You do not have enough strength in you to even transform your own heart. Only the Holy Spirit can transform your heart. That's it. So why do so many of us fail when it comes to holiness? We try to work in our own strength. We try to do things in our own power. 
When you try to do everything on your own, supernatural transformation cannot take place. It just can't. It's God that starts the work in us, and it's God that finishes the work in us. He empowers us. This is what Philippians 2.12 says. Dear friends, you've always followed my instruction when I was with you, and now that I'm away, it's even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. Now look at verse 13. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Who gives you the desire to follow God? God. Who gives you the power to pull that off? Did you notice who's missing in this equation? He says, you do your best. You live out your best. But understand this. God's the one that gives you the desire and he gives you the power. So how do you and I plug into the power of transformation where God transforms us? You ready for this? In order to plug into that power, we have to do something that all of us as humans hate to do. We have to surrender. You have to take your hand off the wheel. You've got to trust God. You got to believe that God is good and he knows what's best for your life. We struggle as believers to surrender. When you surrender, you give the spirit permission to not just start the work in you, but to complete the work in you. That's the goal. As believers, sometimes we're great starters, but we're crummy finishers. Do you know anybody that's a great starter, but a crummy finisher? Don't point at your spouse because I don't have enough time to do marital counseling. It's the holidays. I would like Thanksgiving too, Right? My dad was a great starter. That means this. We had projects all over our house for decades that were started but never finished. Used to drive my mother nuts. Used to drive me nuts. It made me a finisher. We start a project at maybe three in the morning. We are going to finish it. I hate half-done projects. Can't stand it. Drives me nuts. When it comes to your faith, as believers, sometimes we're great starters. We get hit with the emotion of the moment. Like today, the music is bumping. The spirit is moving. Yeah, I feel that, Lord. Yeah, I'm ready to do this. For yeah, and that thing charges us, and it lasts until we get through that door. And it's like, ooh, is that a bake sale? And we forget all the work that God does in us the second we leave. Beloved, the cross for us is not the finish line. The cross was the beginning of the race. The cross starts it. It's the power of the Spirit that sustains you and gives you the strength you need to run your race and to run it well. It's not a sprint. It's a marathon. You will get there to the end with the power of the Spirit. So we give the, the Spirit permission to not just start the work in us, but to complete the work in us. So let's practice that. We're going to do something that's going to make you very uncomfortable. It's not my job as your pastor to make you comfortable. It's my job to, to make you powerful and effective, to be the person that God created you to be. Do you trust me? Do you trust me? <laughs> Suckers? No, just kidding. <laughs> Do me a favor. Take your hands. There's a universal sign of surrender. It's this. Go ahead and do that. Shut your eyes for a second. Now, what I want you to do is I want you to pray and give the Holy Spirit permission in your own words. Tell him, say, Lord, Holy Spirit, I'm yielded to you. God, I'm yielded to you. Give him permission to not just start the work in you, but to finish it. Go ahead in your own words. Just in your mind, whatever it is, just pray that out. Lord, start that work in me. I want to be holy. I want to be like you. I give you permission to just start to do that in me, Lord. All right. You could open your eyes. Nobody died. Nobody took your money. We're all okay. You start the work. Second, 
God empowers us to experience healing. Now, what does it mean for God to heal us? Well, when you look at the Greek word for healing, actually the Hebrew word for healing, here it means this, it's rapha. And it means this, to make whole, to thoroughly mend or repair. So God empowers us through the Spirit to walk in wholeness, healing. Again, that's his heart for us to experience those things, both emotional and physical healing. Do you know that God is concerned with your emotional well-being? He is. Not just your physical well-being, but your emotional well-being. He's concerned with every aspect of who you are. He's not just concerned with the things that you do for him. He is concerned with the things that concern you. There's nothing too small and too detailed in your life that God isn't concerned about. He loves every part of you. He's concerned with your emotional pain. Has anybody in here ever been hurt? Have you ever been disappointed? Have you ever been let down? Have you ever been betrayed? You know that God is concerned with your heart in those moments, just as he is when you're lifting your hands in worship on a Sunday. He's concerned with you, your emotional pain. Psalm 147.3 says this, he heals the wounds of every shattered heart. Have you ever had a shattered heart? God's here to heal those wounds. Psalm 34.18 says this, when somebody is hurting or brokenhearted, the eternal moves in close and revives him in his pain. He doesn't run from you. Your brokenness doesn't scare God off. He comes in close and he revives you in the middle of your pain. Why does he revive you right snack dab in the middle of your pain? His heart is that you bring healing from that. You don't run from pain with God. You face it. He deals with the issues and you move on free. He whom the Son has set free is free indeed. How many of you like freedom? You can't have freedom without facing your, your, your issues, your fears. That's the God that we serve. He heals us. Sometimes the road of life takes you down roads that you never thought you'd be on. Sometimes there's chapters in the book of your life. The Bible says you're a living epistle. Sometimes there's chapters in the book of your life you pray to God nobody ever reads. You never thought they'd be in your book, but guess what, beloved? They are. Sometimes those things, you're down a road because somebody drug you down that road and they betrayed you. Other times you're down a road because you ran down there willfully with happiness, like a prodigal. You ever been a prodigal? I think all of us have been prodigals, haven't we? Regardless of the road, regardless of how you got there, the heart of God is always to see you emotionally healthy, emotionally whole. This is why as believers, it's important for us to be yielded to the Holy Spirit, to the work of the Spirit. God knows the work that we need better than we do. He does. Now, there's another component to this, us being empowered to walk in holiness. We've got the resource of the Spirit, but we also have another great resource. That's each other. When the church, again, uh, helps to bring healing and brokenness uh, with broken people instead of uh, throwing people away, something beautiful happens. We start to partner with the heart of God and we see restoration instead of just finding out reasons to, to throw people away. Does anybody in this room like to be thrown away? Does anybody in this room ever like to be called lesser? shunned, broken. If you hate that, do me a favor. Don't propagate that with anybody else. This is a house of restoration. You know what that means? It's our job as believers to help people get back on the path to God, to help them to see them healed, restored, forgiven, 
plug back into their divine purpose. All of us have a divine purpose. That's why we do this. Restoration is close to the heart of God. So practically, we do that as a church. And practically, Trinity does that through a ministry we have called Celebrate Recovery. It's a great way to help others to, to experience wholeness in their life. It's a great way for you to experience wholeness in your life. It is as well. CR meets every Thursday at 7 o'clock right in the chapel. It's a great ministry. Mary and, uh, and Jerry, raise your hands real quick. If you have any questions about it, ask them after the service. It's amazing. So God brings us emotional healing. The second thing that he does with healing is this. He also brings us physical healing. You can't open the scriptures and not encounter physical healing. You can't. It's in the Old Testament. It's in the New Testament. It's in the life of Jesus. It's in the life of the, the, the disciples. It's in the early church. We know this. It's God's heart to heal. It's God's heart for us to be whole physically. This is what Matthew 10, 1 says. And he called to him his 12 disciples and he gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every, everybody say every, Every disease and every affliction. That's what he, he sent the disciples to do that. James 5, 14 and 15 says this. Are there any sick among you? Then ask the elders of the church to come and to pray over the sick and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will heal the sick and the Lord will raise them up. And if they've committed sins, they'll be forgiven. It's God's heart to heal. And God still heals today. He does. How many of you here in the, in, right now in the building, you've been healed? God's healed you from something before. Look around. Keep your hand up. It's not isolated. It's something that God does. To help me uh, in, in sharing with you a story, I've invited our very own Angel Periskevich. She's going to share with us a story of, on how God has healed her. She's been nervous. I told her, what, three days ago we were going to do this? And have you slept at all? No sleep? No, sleep's for the week. It's for the week. Uh, here we go. Uh, so make her feel welcome as she comes up. There you go. Angel has a beautiful testimony of how God's healed her. There you go, sweetie. I forgot my cheat sheet. You don't, you don't need it. It's in your heart. Um, you know, thank you for talking about the, the Holy Spirit. I, I've been praying for that to come for so long. You know, I um, grew up in a traditional church and, uh, I can tell Kevin's losing his mind. There you go. <laughs> I could feel it, and Kevin. You can I could tell feel I'm it. I'm not a speaker. <laughs> but anyway, um, I am so grateful to be in a church that is taught to have a better life, that there's power out there, how important the Holy Spirit really is. Mm -hmm. I'm a, a first generation born again Christian. Uh, my husband and I talked about it many times over the years. and. We can't recall one person that we knew growing, growing up that ever was a born-again Christian or talked about Jesus to us. We went to church. We did what we were supposed to do. We believed that we shouldn't sin and live the best life we could, but we didn't know why, you know. The baptism in the Holy Spirit, it was, it's what taught us why, how, how to change our life. Um, it was 1981 when I met a young girl, very brief encounter, who invited me to a Life in the Spirit seminar. And um, I didn't know what I was going to. I went, it was a six weeks thing, and uh, I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. I was 32 years old. That day my children were also baptized in the Holy Spirit. Missy was six and Michael was eight. Our, our life 
changed like our eyes were opened. The scales fell off of our eyes, and we got hungry for God. You know, we learned things that we, we just never knew. We never knew that we served an impossible God. He was the God who nothing was impossible, nothing. And so we took him as he was. It, the nice thing about coming with your children like that, it gave me childlike faith as well. We learned to stand on scripture. And we know we, we, we heard that Jesus standed on scripture. I mean, that's what he did. That's what he got rid of Satan when he was in the wilderness. So if Jesus can do it, we can too. Amen. And what we wanted more than anything else was to become a born-again family. So we would claim that scripture, Joshua 24, 15, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And Amen. we would say it with authority. Amen. You know, Acts 16, 31 says, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be healed, you and your house. That's what we wanted. We wanted that so bad. We wanted Ezekiel 36, 26, that God would give us a new heart and a new mind. He'd take away our stubborn hearts of stone, give us new and obedient hearts of flesh. Sure time. I mean, really, we serve the impossible God. My husband became a born-again Christian. He was baptized in the Holy Spirit supernaturally with evidence of speaking in tongues. It was an exciting time for us. Um, I have so many healings that when, first I didn't want to do this at all. <laughs> then pastor said, just one. How do you just do one? That's why I didn't sleep. Because <laughs> they all kind of intertwine. So I've, I've chosen one that um, I've kind of been questioned about in church, and um, I'll get into it, <laughs> it soon. But first, I want to lead off with this. So we're baptized in the Holy Spirit in 1981. By 1994, we were hot for God. We were excited, and we were getting good teachings, and, and we just wanted to go. And a, a little stumbling block happened to me. Um, I started getting shoulder pain that was very serious. And my husband had to help me get dressed, like, for months. And I kept claiming scripture. I kept claiming, the, you know, that I'm the healed of the Lord. And time went on, and we finally heard about a healing service coming to our area. And um, I just had to go. You know, I said to Michael, I, I've got to go. He was in total agreement, <laughs> wanting me healed. We got to the, that healing service. It was a little about two hours away, and um, the parking lot was jam-packed. We were early and could not find a parking spot. Finally, we did. We got inside. The lobby was jammed-packed. The auditorium was jam-packed. I'm desperate. I'm here for healing, and I, I broke. I just broke. I told Michael, I'm going to go to the ladies' room. <laughs> I went into the ladies' room. Of course, it's crowded. A stall opened up. I got in and cried my eyes out. I thought I was silent. I don't know if I was or not today, but I, I hoped I was. And then it dawned on me, hey, it doesn't have to be here that I get my healing. You know, God can heal me anywhere. I mean, he can heal me anywhere he wants. I'm, I'm just going to go with that. So I washed my face. I went outside. He, my husband was waiting. And uh, as, as I approached him, this lady came out of um, a big crowd. I mean, you, you couldn't see people. And all of a sudden, she's standing in front of us and says, are there only two of you? And he said, yes. And she said, follow me. And we just followed her. We just went right behind her, took us into the auditorium, marched us right up to the second row, second two seats on the end. 
And we were like, whoa, we are supposed to be here. This is really exciting. So we're sitting there a short time, and we just couldn't get the grins off our face. And, and I'm noticing all these people in the back, and then I hear an announcement over the loudspeaker, which must have been said before we got in. And it was, um, we have so many people here that need healings. We are setting up tables in the back. We have set up tables in the back, and there are, our people are back there. We have cards, and we want you to take a card, and um, the card will tell you, you, you tell the people back there what you need your healing for. Your card will tell you what line to go into. This will be the most efficient way to get healings. Wow, okay. I jumped up out of my seat and headed towards the back table when I hear someone call my name. And I went, oh, no, I mean, it's going to start. So I'm looking around. I find somebody from church and starts to talk. And, and I said, look, I'm really sorry, but I'm here for healing. And I, I, don't want, I don't want the table to get closed down before I get back there to get the healing. As I got back to the table, now there's just one people. Everybody's gone, and there's a card. And I reached my hand out to take the card. And with that, something went up my arm in, into my shoulders, and it was the healing. I received the healing. I didn't have to get in the line. That's how God chose to heal me. You know, when things like that happen to you, you get that supernatural faith. You know that you know that you know that there's nothing impossible with God. Yeah. I, I made a promise to God that if he would heal me, I would surrender everything to him and I would always raise my hands in that surrender without shame. <laughs> Funny thing is, people have noticed that I raise my hand all the time, and that's why I got this testimony, <laughs> because the reason that I do hand my, raise my hands is when you serve a supernatural God and you've seen miracles upon miracles upon miracles that he can do for you, and you know that he's not done with you yet, you're going to raise your hands and say, Amen. hey, take my kids, take my car, take everything. I surrender all. So if you see me sitting up front and you're wondering why this old lady's got her hands up, that's why. I know God can do it. And if he can do it for me, that's the great thing about God. He can do it for you, too. Amen. He's no respecter of people. Amen. Thank you, Angel. That's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. What a great story. What a great testimony. If God can do it for Angel, he can do it for you. He can. We come with faith and we believe. And it's a beautiful thing. Through the power of the Spirit, we experience healing. Emotionally and physical healing. Now, I've had people ask me before, so Pastor, if God wants us to be healed, why do some people die? You know what the ultimate expression of healing for us is? To be with him. This is just a short amount of time. You know, someday you will stand before God and you'll be healed and whole. No limitations, no pains. How many of you live life with pain? How many of you would love to live life without pain? Hang on, it's coming, one way or the other. So the Spirit empowers us to be holy. The Spirit empowers us to be healed. And third, the Spirit empowers us to help us on our mission. Again, what is our mission? To see the world come to Christ. To have everybody that we know, anybody that we could ever meet, experience God's love, power, and presence in a real and a practical way. Now, how many of you know that this mission is a little daunting? 
When you start talking about seeing God spread through the world, that's a pretty daunting task. Why? Because let's just be real. People are messed up. You know anybody that's messed up? Do not point at your spouse. You know anybody that struggles with things? They have baggage, right? You know anybody that's difficult? Again, do not point at your spouse. Isn't it funny that God chose to share his son with the world? This is the mechanism that he chose. Broken, messed up people to reach broken, messed up people. The only thing that makes us different than the people that we reach out to is that we've been redeemed and saved by Christ. They see us, broken vessels that have been healed and put back together with the power of God. That's the mechanism. That's how he does it. Isn't that crazy? So how can God accomplish this with, again, broken people? It's the power of the Holy Spirit that infuses us and helps us to move in their lives. Now, there's sometimes, again, the Holy Spirit you know, engages us in supernatural ways so that we can accomplish this mission. So when you talk about these gifts that he gives us, these supernaturally empowered gifts that he gives us, you know, what are these things that he empowers us with? What are they called? We're going to look at two things real quick. Through scriptures, you have the motivational gifts and then the manifestation gifts. What are the motivational gifts? Those are the physical things that God gives us as, as, as believers to show love to each other. And then the manifestation gifts, that's when the Holy Spirit just decides to show up and take care of business. Let's look at it real quick. If you get your Bibles, flip over to Romans chapter 12. We're almost done. Looking at verse 3. Actually, go down to verse 5. It says this. Uh, we are many parts of one body, and we belong to each other. Verse 6 says this. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. All of you have been gifted to do something. It says, so uh, if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak it out with as much faith that God has given you. By the way, prophesying, the gift of prophecy, is the only gift that is on both of those lists. How many of you know when you double something, it's got to be important or good? Thanksgiving is coming right? How many of you like those mashed potatoes? Are you a one scoop person or a two scoop person? Give me that second scoop. Why? It's good. In the Greek houses, you had two scoops of anything you wanted because if you waited for that second scoop, it probably wasn't coming back around again, right? So what does it mean to prophesy? Does that mean that you stand on a street corner with a sign going, the end is near, the end is near, the end is near? Nope. Spiritually prophesying, that gift of prophecy, that means that you speak God's heart to people. You share with people what God sees for a situation, whatever it is. That's why when you look at the prophetic, the prophetic is something that encourages people. It's an encouraging word. When God, if he's given you that gift to be able to speak that to somebody, then do it well. That's part of the, motiv the, the motivational gifts. Let's keep on reading. Look at verse, uh, I think we're at verse 6. Uh, verse 7, excuse me. If your gift is serving others, then serve them well. How many of you have the gift of hospitality? You love to serve people. You have the little place mark settings. You know, if you're working the hospitality center out there, you got the little, the coffee's going, you got Larry out there with the coffee, all the little cookies and all that stuff. That's hospitality. I didn't even know that, I didn't know what a place setting was until after I married my wife. Greeks don't have place settings. You know what we have? We have big, large plates. We didn't even have napkins. You know, we had rolls of paper towels. Because you got to clean up everything. You have a big you know, mouthful of moussaka. You, need, you don't need a little napkin. You need a paper towel, right? If you've got the gift of serving others, you just serve them. That's a spiritual gift. Those that don't have the gift, they think you're nuts. And that fuels you. That's a spiritual gift. So walk in it if you have that, right? It says, uh, if you have the gift of a teacher, teach well. 
There are some of you that are here that God has given you the ability to take concepts and pass those on to others where they learn. That's a beautiful gift. Teachers are incredibly important. Amen? How many of you have ever been in a class taught by somebody that wasn't a good teacher? Then you know how important the gift of teaching is. So if, you, if God's created you to teach, teach. By the way, that means this. If God's created you to teach and you're not teaching, you're not using the gift that God gave you to build up the body. Teach somewhere. Get involved in kids' ministry. Get involved in youth. You want to hear something nuts? The youth had their Thanksgiving thing this week. They had 78, 78 kids, not including leaders, out there eating Thanksgiving on one big table like Charlie Brown. Remember Charlie Brown Thanksgiving? Nuts. They're always looking for people to help teach and get involved and do stuff. Kids, we're dying for workers. Come help us. If you're a teacher, come and teach well. Verse 8, if your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. There is a gift of encouragement. You are the people that can see the destiny and the goodness in every person that you come into contact with. We need encouragers, people that can encourage people onto their destiny. By the way, being able to tell everybody how they stink is not a spiritual gift. Oh, God's given me a critical eye. No, he hasn't. That doesn't come from the Lord. Allow the convicting to be from the Holy Spirit. We do speak the truth in, in love. Don't forget the love part, right? It says, if it's giving, give generously. Do you know that there's a supernatural gift of giving? Now, we're not talking about your tithe. Your tithe is just part of what we do as believers. As believers, we give back to God to honor him, to say thank you for the things that you've given us. But there's a supernatural gift on top of that that gives. These are people that God has trusted with affluence that just give to whatever. For example, we did our family fest. And it was great. We had a budget of $15,000. We raised over $17,000. Do you know why? Clap, that's good. All the money... All that went to loving our community extravagantly. There were no administrative fees, none of that stuff. It all went to loving our community extravagantly. Now, some people like you and me, we gave stuff that God put in our heart. There were others that were like, no, no, I, I can't sleep until I write this check. You know what that is? That's the gift of giving. If you have that gift, write the check, baby. What can you fund that's more important than eternity? Nothing, nothing. Don't be a stingy giver. But if you have the gift, flow in your gift, right? And by the way, if you have that gift and somebody else doesn't have that gift, don't look down on them. If you have the gift of hospitality and somebody doesn't know that gift, don't look down on them. It's your gift, right? Here's a good one. God is, if God has given you the gift of leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. I have a personal bent on this. I think if we spent more time training our leaders from the church perspective worldwide, the church would be in a whole lot better position than it is right now. We need to train our leaders to lead, help them to lead. Is there anything that's more important than leading people in the, in the, the incredible, uh, uh, beautiful privilege of, of helping people to encounter eternity? Lead. I'm always reading leadership books. You're like, well, you're a good leader. I want to be better. I want to be better, right? It says, uh, and if you've got the gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Do you know that there are people in this room that can love anybody, even you? You know somebody that's prickly? You know anybody that's got that ability? They could see, see the sunshine on a dark, rainy, cloudy day. That's a gift, beloved. That's a gift to find that, to be kind to everybody, to be kind to people. Just because you can't see that 
That doesn't mean that uh, you can't experience that through somebody else's eyeballs. So that again, those are, again, for us, those are the motivational gifts. Now, let's look at the manifestation gifts. Now, what are the manifestation gifts? These are supernatural gifts that we don't have a box for. These are the gifts that the church struggles with sometimes to explain. It's hard to explain things that are beyond us, but we know it's in the Bible. They talk about it. These are the times when God says divinely, I'm going to just move the pieces around myself. Now, let me preface it by saying this. You can be supernatural, beloved, and not be weird. Look at me. Eyeballs on me. You can be supernatural and not be weird. Your hair doesn't have to be on fire to do this. You can be naturally supernatural. I, I think I'm a naturally supernatural guy. I'm a natural guy. You can hang out with me. We can laugh. We can joke. We can go see a Marvel movie. It'll be great. But I'm also supernatural. That means this. You need prayer and we're in the middle of Acme. We're just going to pray. And you don't have to worry. I'm not going to get down there by the deli and go, Oh, gracious Father, help them in their time of need. As they go for that blood test, I'm not going to do that to you. I don't need to do that. We need to be naturally supernatural as a church. When we decide to allow the Holy Spirit to flow through us, miracles happen, beloved. They do. So what are the manifestation gifts? Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. All right, we're going to finish this up quickly, quickly, quickly. It says, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one of us for the profit of all. Verse 8. For one is, is given the gift of the word of wisdom through the Spirit. What is the word of wisdom? That's when God gives you divine strategies to solve problems that you wouldn't normally have. That's the word of wisdom. God will give some of you, he'll empower you with wisdom. These are people that are wise beyond their years. These are people that possess wisdom. There's a difference between possessing God's wisdom and knowledge. We're not talking about knowledge. We're talking about divine wisdom. There's a difference. You don't have to have a PhD to operate in wisdom. That's what we're talking about that. It's a spiritual gift. It says, to another, the word of knowledge through the same spirit. What is a word of knowledge? That's when somebody gives you or somebody else a word about somebody else's life that there's no way on earth you would know about. The Holy Spirit does that a lot to confirm things that he's speaking to people. For example, I remember years ago, seems like a billion years ago, I'm at Pendell Youth Camp. I'm a junior, and I'm sitting there, I still remember Danny Duvall speaking, and as he's speaking, as I'm sitting around the altar, the Holy Spirit speaks clear to my heart. It's the first time I ever remember him speaking to me. He said, TJ, someday you're going to do that. And I did what most of you do when the Spirit speaks to you. I, not. That's just bananas. I could never do that. And I still remember thinking that in my head. The second I thought that, somebody tapped my shoulder. They said, man, I didn't know him. They said, I don't know you from Adam, but God just sent me to you, and he told me this. God just told you that you're going to do that someday. That's God. That's not you. Goodbye, and he left. You know what that is? It's a word of knowledge. He had no idea what was going on in this chunky Greek guy's head. No idea. God confirms it. Here's the moral of the story. If God is speaking something to you through the Spirit about somebody else, don't hold it. We do three things, you know, when God speaks to us. RIA. Revelation is God speaking. Interpretation, what does it mean? A, application, what do I do with it? If God gives it to you and he says, I want you to speak it to that person, speak it out. But what if I'm wrong? Can I let you off the hook here real quick? You will be. Is there anybody in here that's perfect? You're going to get it wrong every once in a while. So if you get it wrong, you know what you do? You go and you apologize. I'm sorry. I can promise you this, the more you do it, the better you'll get at it. And um, 
God just might use you to change somebody's life. But you can't hit the ball if you don't swing, beloved. Right? Let's keep going. Verse 9. To another faith. God gives people a special gift of faith. It's a spiritual gift. Some people can believe for the supernatural better than others. So if you don't have that gift, get close to somebody that does. If you have a bad situation, find somebody that has that gift of faith and put them right in your hip pocket. Let them speak to you God's heart. We're going to get through this. We're going to get through this. We're going to get through this. Let God release that into other people. To another, the gift of healing by the same spirit. We're in Denver. We had a guy in Denver, Matt. If you, if you saw Matt on the street, you turn and you walk the other way. Crazy hair. Just crazy. Matt had the gift of healing. Eight out of every 10 people he prayed for got healed. Seriously. People come up to me, they're like, Pastor, I need a healing. I say, great. They say, is Matt around? He's right over there. I don't need you. I need Matt. He has this gift. He did. Didn't matter where you're at. You're at the Acme, the Goodwill. Didn't matter. You need prayer. Now, Matt was one of those loud prayers, so you got to be careful. You know, I'm having surgery. Oh, God, help him on there. Surgery. You got to be careful. But I'll tell you what, he had that gift. I don't know why. I just know that he did. Verse 10, to another, the working of miracles. This is a fun one. What's the gift of miracles? Could be anything. Could be loaves and fishes. Could be anything. Great story. We're in Illinois. One of the guys there was the, the president of Princeton Theological Seminary. The Princeton. Um, beautiful. He was a uh, psychiatrist. They decided one year for their office, they were going to give out free turkeys. So they had three free turkeys in the back freezer. He came to the office that day and there were 20 people lined up for turkeys. His wife goes, oh dear, there's a problem here. And he said, I don't know what we're going to do. And he said, God spoke to me. He said, just keep giving out turkeys. He said, okay. So she said, people would come in there and say, I'm here for my free turkey. He'd send his wife to the back, honey, go get a turkey out of the freezer. She'd go back, she'd open the freezer door, grab a turkey, give it to somebody. And they did this for 20 some people. He said, every time she opened the door, there was a turkey in it. Now, I know you're thinking, well, that's impossible. Yeah, it is for us. The book that I read makes that common. If God can multiply 20 turkeys, you know, how many loaves and fishes did he multiply? What are 20 turkeys? And who knows? Maybe they're butterballs. I don't know. How did he do it? I don't know. That's what makes it a miracle. By the way, beloved, you don't have to figure everything out. How many of you love your car? How many of you understand the combustible engine? Put your hand out, will you, Michael? <laughs> How many of you, if your car broke down, you'd know what to do? Some of your mechanics, you'd have no idea what to do on the cars nowadays. You don't have to understand it all. All you have to do is believe. When you turn that key, what do you believe? The car's going to start, right? It's my soapbox. Let's get off this. To another, the gift of prophecy. It's on both lists. We've already talked about that. To another, the discerning of spirits. What is the discerning of spirits? That's when um, God, through the Holy Spirit, will reveal to you the motives, the thing that's behind the thing that you're dealing with, if it's good or bad. I first got here and I ran into somebody. No idea who they were. I'm getting close to them because I'm getting ready to go invite them to go to breakfast. And the Holy Spirit rose up with them. He goes, stop. Not him, not now. I said, okay. Backed up, had no idea who they were. Later, I asked them, I said, who's that person? They told me, I said, I get it now. You know what that is? Discernment. You need discernment to now, today, brothers and sisters. You do. Everything you hear is not always correct. Everything you see on TV isn't always correct. Everything on those podcasts isn't always correct. You know who's always correct? The Holy Spirit. The Bible. Get close to God. Get close to God. 
These are the fun ones. To another different kinds of tongues. To another, uh, the, the interpretation of tongues. What's the big deal with tongues? I don't know. Why did God choose to use tongues? I don't know. But he did. It's in there. Now I remember the old, was it ragu? It's in there. It's in the sauce. It's in there. I've been in, in church services where somebody spoken in tongues and somebody, again, knew what that person was saying because they were speaking in a tongue from their nation. I've been in church services where somebody started to speak in tongues and it must have been some type of angelic language because somebody in our room had to interpret it. Why does God do it that way? I don't know, but he does. So we engage into it. We do and we believe it. It's a real gift. It activates. It's great. I think it's so funny to me because of all the gifts. Why is that the flashpoint? I know this. If I was the enemy... I would, tie, I would derail everything that, to me, the biggest things that scare the enemy right now are, are the prophetic and speaking in tongues. Why is he targeting those two gifts? Right? Why is he targeting those two things? That's, I'd say, Lord, there must be something in there for me. So don't, don't despise it. Even if you don't understand it, don't despise it. There's lots of things that happen in the church. Unless the Spirit says, no, I don't despise it. I just say it's not for me. Verse 11. But one of the same Spirit works in all these things, distributing to each his individual wheels. So here's how we're going to finish up today. It's God's heart to empower you with the Spirit, to help you to be holy, to help you to be healed and whole, and to help the mission of the body to see the whole world come to Christ. And in all of those things, God has chosen you, you, to have the Spirit flow through. But you can't do it unless you're yielded. You can't do it unless you're open. You can't do it unless you say yes. So do me a favor, bow your heads. Have one more conversation with the Spirit. Say, Holy Spirit, show me in these things what I need to be the person you created me to be. And then listen. Thanks for listening to the Trinity Community Church Podcast. We hope this met you exactly where you are. To learn more about us, head to our website at tccde.com or follow us on social media at Trinity Community Church. TCC, a home for you.